Verse, chorus, universe, DL here, how you doing? Before this episode starts, I just want to get a couple things out of the way and one big, fat, huge thank you. First of all, with our guest today, the condition that we speak of quite often, just in case you miss it, because everything does happen pretty fast in these interviews, is limbic encephalitis. This is a swelling of the brain that, as you know, with the brain can cause a lot of different issues. One other thing that I wanted to touch on is towards the end of the interview, Nick Lee discusses that he is going back to the hospital for some tests. And while we don't know what happened, I have not heard from him since beyond a couple, you know, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me sort of things. I do have something that I am allowed to share with you straight from Nick's mouth. I think we'll just have him tell you right now about something happening in May in New York. Within two weeks, we're going to announce a show and have a new video. That's for May. We're going to try it and see what happens kind of thing. So uh, that'll be in Brooklyn at a place called The Monarch. They are indeed playing a show in Brooklyn. I wish that I could go. I wish I wasn't on the opposite end of the goddamn country. They also have a new video out, as he said. The new video is Grip the Ridge from Phototroph, not Phototroph, as Evil and I embarrassingly called it over and over and over again in the last episode, but I digress. It's the thought that counts, right? Yes. Okay? So, Grip the Ridge, the music video. Go to their show if you are anywhere in the vicinity of Brooklyn in May. Go to their Instagram, at Moontooth Shreds. Go to their website on Pure Noise. Pure Noise is their label. If you go to purenoise.net slash moontooth, or you can go look it up in their artists, you see them. They are also on Bandcamp, Moontooth NY, Moontooth New York. All these places should have information about the show. And then lastly, the big, huge thank you that I want to put out before this interview starts is to John, Vin, Ray, and of course, Nick. All the music that you hear in this episode, everybody, is by Moontooth. Everything you heard in the last episode where we talk about Phototroph and Crux are from Moontooth. When we talked about Phototroph, all those songs are from Phototroph. When we talked about Crux, all those songs are from Crux. You know what I like? That you can get both those on vinyl. You can also get their acoustic set on vinyl as well. I own it. It's fucking amazing. It's incredible. I cannot stress enough that if you are a vinyl collector, the cover art, the vinyl art, and obviously the music is goddamn amazing. Please go check them out. Thank you so much to Moontooth for letting us play your music and getting it out there to our listeners. It means a lot to us. And now I guess we better get to it. I'll shut up. Coming up on Verse Course Verse, well, you know what's coming up on Verse Course Verse. If you paid attention last week, we're excited. That's next. Welcome to Verse Course Verse. I am DL, and with me, not yet, but he will be, is Evil. We are excited. We are ready. He is uh, putting on the finishing touches of his workday, and we are scrambling to get ready for what will surely be an amazing interview. Yeah, Nick Lee. We're talking to Nick Lee today. Nick Lee, guitarist of Moontooth, and a lesser-known band currently. I, I'm not even sure I'd say that overall, 
maybe one that we haven't talked about, Riot, which will definitely get brought up today. How's everybody doing out there? Doing well? It's Friday. It's a little early for me, but uh, hey, when you're interviewing somebody on the East Coast, you go early, right? As far as us personally, we've said pretty much everything we could say about Nick already in the last episode and Moontooth, all the guys, really. We may only be talking to Nick, but we are fans of the whole band and are very excited to do this. Really looking forward to picking his brain about starting the band. You know, they've been around and they are one of those old school. I think they tour, they had like half their year. They're one of those build your chops by playing every night sort of bands, which I feel like is getting less and less frequent. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just older, so I don't go to the bars and the clubs anymore. So I could be wrong. I'm looking forward to asking him about what it's like nowadays with the Spotify's and the band camps and the this and the that, how much different it is. Want to talk to him about his insane last couple years. Boy, howdy, how insane they have been. I want to talk to him about a lot of things. I want to talk to you guys about a few things as well. We are in the middle of the YouTubes. The YouTubes are going great. Sven recorded and is today is actually releasing his first reaction videos. And of course, one of them was copyright claimed. So are we ready for a little bit of a DL bitch session? The video that was claimed. So I gave Sven uh, three videos to check out. We waited till he was just about to record. I shot him to him right then. So I knew that he wasn't going to try to sneak a peek beforehand. And I shot him an amazing video of Devin Townsend playing a really, really cool cello group called Break a Reality. They do a lot of covers that are amazing. Um, they have a Radiohead one that's insane, but I don't think Sven would have appreciated it or knew the song, so he wouldn't have appreciated it as much as the one I gave him, which was Black Hole Sun. And then I gave him this group that I love, uh, have loved for years. I saw them play live on the Colbert Rapport. This is like a decade ago. The Goat Rodeo Sessions, which is uh, Yo-Yo Ma and three other just insane, amazing musicians and Edgar Meyer, Stuart Duncan, and sorry, I'm forgetting the other man's name. This is a four-man group with a mandolin, a bass, a cello, and a violin. They're not, this is not huge stuff. This is not Taylor Swift style, gotta watch out, uh, don't bite on Drake sort of stuff. It was released by the label Sony Masterworks. This is bluegrass classical music. Sony copyright claimed it. So this is me reiterating the same way that we can't get rights to songs to show you what we're talking about in podcasts, how fucked the industry is right now. That out of the, let's say, 130 people, let's say 4,000 people end up watching that reaction video. Let's say 130 people end up watching the reaction video. Let's say 40 people end up watching the reaction video. That's 40 people that are going to listen to Svend because they know the podcast and like Svend, listen to Svend say, wow, these guys are incredible. Go check them out. And they won't let us do that. What is What are... What have we become here? This is very obviously, and I don't know if it's, I don't want to blame YouTube. I do think it's partially YouTube's fault because of the monster they have created. But it's really, really frustrating to me. I Look, if it's like a an old Rage Against the Machine song and Sony's like, hey man, look, you want to listen to this song, you go buy the album. I still think that's ridiculous, but I kind of get it. But copyright claims, ha you know, we've covered artists that are we covered like Janet Jackson and I can't play her music. 
what, like it's going to hurt for people to hear Well, they're just going to go to that podcast and listen to Rhythm Nation instead of buying the out. No, man, they're going to hear Rhythm Nation here and be like, oh, shit, I'm too young to have known that existed. Or, oh, yeah, that was really good. I should go buy it. I just don't understand what the industry is doing and what money they think we are taking away from them. Friendly reminder, we do not make money on this stuff. We weren't trying to monetize the YouTube. This was a demonetized YouTube video. It's just a reaction video. It's just trying to get more views. So I don't understand. And that was my rant. I just had to rant about it. Sven kind of gave a little bit of a, on the YouTube, he explains it, but you know, Sven's so nice. Somebody needed to come out and let you guys know what's going on and how fucked it is. I'm sure you all already know this, but uh, hey, simpatico. Let's get back to the fun stuff though the project at hand. I am about to talk to my favorite current guitar player. Hey, here's the thing, you guys. If you start a podcast, if you work extremely hard at it, you put a lot of effort into it, you make it good quality, you get good equipment, you take your sweet-ass time editing, you answer every single email, you do the little things, you get a great crew that will back you up and that will help you out and do their own thing, honestly. Sometimes you end up getting to do cool things. And this is the time where, okay, so right before an interview is so stressful. I, it is the most stressed you can be. Ask Rachel from yesterday when we did her first interview. Ask Evil and even ask, ask Sven because he's done a couple with me. But there's a whole other level of stress and nervousness that goes with interviews. And it seems like you get stressed out to where it's not even fun anymore. So then you just have to take a step back and you have to think about the fact that I am about to talk to my favorite current guitar player. Who gets to just go do that? Last year, I talked to one of my favorite current artists, creator of one of my favorite albums of the last decade. This is me admitting that I am so fucking lucky and I am so grateful to be doing this. I am so grateful to the people that are listening and the artists that come on. Nick was one of the first people that agreed to let us play his music on the podcast. I reached out to them as a band. I think they they had already been on Pure Noise, which is their label. I reached out to both. It was Nick who wrote me back and just said, yeah, of course, play it. That's just how they've been. And I think that's why they have such a fierce following, which was proven by a couple of things that happened the last couple of years that we're going to talk about with him. So yeah, this is just me saying I am grateful to the people in my family that are patient with me in letting me do this. I am grateful to the artists that come on and talk to me, that give time to a fan, a fellow music lover. I am grateful for Sven, Evil, and Rachel. I would not have made it through this far if it wasn't for them. This wouldn't be what it is. I shouldn't put it like that. That makes it sound like they helped me become this thing. They are this thing. We are this thing. And I feel like the reason we're popular is because of what we have melded it into thanks to the different personalities. But most of all, I have to thank everybody that's listening And I know that that's just boilerplate. You have to do that. But no, we really do. There are certain listeners out there that I'm in contact with that I'm thinking, man, I bet they're going to be stoked about this interview. There are certain, whenever I say something, I'm always thinking, oh, so-and-so is going to hate this. So-and-so is going to love this. This community has really become 
it's so important to me and I am acutely aware that if it wasn't for you all, this would be pointless. If we had seven listeners an episode or, you know, a hundred listeners in our third season, I have a feeling that evil Rachel and Sven would have said, hey, we tried, didn't work, see you later. But they've stuck it out. You've all stuck it out. It's growing. It's doing great. I'm excited for the future and the future holds interviewing an amazing, insanely amazing guitar player. I think that's going to be my my short little sh- that's what we got tonight. I think we got to get to it. I'm going to uh sit here and bite my nails until Evil and Nick join me. So I guess we'll take a break and when we come back, uh we're going to talk to Nick fucking Lee. And once again, huge shout out as well because we are equally in awe and have and talked about it in our last episode of Ray, John, and Vin, the other members of Moontooth. This is a cohesively incredible band that has an insane future ahead of them and has already done things that I don't think another band has done. I'm going to take a break. We'll be right back. Evil has joined. We're waiting on Nick. He'll be on soon. Evil, are you ready for this? I do feel like I'm ready. Nick seems like a super cool guy. He seems pretty down to earth. I think we're big fans. It's not like we're some fucking jack wagons (laughs) asking stupid questions. We're just going to like pick his brain and have some good conversation. So I feel good about it. Not overly nervous. Maybe a sufficiently Sufficiently right amount of nervousness. Yeah. yeah. That's, I think that's the right way to be. My notes are actually pretty small. Every time I was going to write something, I was like, I'm not going to fucking forget that. There's no, No. No, don't need to. But before he gets here, we can talk about the most important part of the night. Evil. Oh, yes. What are you drinking tonight? Well, special occasion. Mm-hmm. We're recording this a little bit before Valentine's Day, and I got an early Valentine's Day gift. My lady bought me a bottle of, I think this is the third year of Nick Offerman's. Oh, uh, that's right. He has his own edition. Yeah, edition yes. of Lagavulin. It's it's an 11-year Lagavulin, so it's a little. it's got a little more to it than the 16 year i don't know about the first one i think the second edition was asian guinness casks Mm. this one is aged in charred oak casks so it's like very woody very peaty kind of stick a thumb in your eye in a good way i like it it's really good and if you ever if you're into lagavulin go find the box and read the back it's fucking hilarious it's you know in the character of nick offerman and is it uh it's very it's funny have you been watching parks and rec in honor I haven't, but I, I really should. You, you've uh, seen it though, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. I, you know, one of my favorite things that they do, and I love that show. That show's great. But I think it's my hilarious. favorite part of all time in that show is when they all go to London and Ron's fucking miserable. Leslie gives him this leather bound travel thing. And she's like, you're going to stay for an extra week. I've given you exactly what you're going to do. Go do it. And she gets him on a boat and he ends up in Scotland going to like the Lagavulin oh. distillery. Oh and my they, he's like reading yeah. poetry on the, why am I blanking on the famous Scottish poet? That's embarrassing. <laughs> Robert Burns sitting over the lock and he's reading a Robert Burns poem that Leslie gave him. He's like, I, I don't know awesome. what she thought I'd get out of that. And there's like a tear coming <laughs> down his eye. <laughs> 
Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I need to go at least to the Isla region and yeah. someday. Me too. Like go drink some some Irish whiskey and then go across the water to Scotland and drink me some Isla Scotch. Well, we'll do that after we talk to Nick. He's waiting. I'm going to let him in. What are you drinking? Oh, by the shit. Way? I am drinking the moon cocktail in honor of Nick Lee. <laughs> it is from the Death and Company little recipe book. It's a gin. It's a kasha honey. It's a little bit of sherry and some peach liqueur. It's a little too mm. sweet for me, but it's still fucking good. And it's a good choice. Thank you. And with that, with the moon cocktail, here we go. Let's talk to Nick. Motherfucking Lee. This is. How you doing, Nick? Okay. Probably the weirdest time in my life. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Getting through it, you know? I don't know if you wanted to jump right into that, but I had six months ago, I found out I had limbic encephalitis and I caused the seizures and um, I'll actually be back in the hospital next week for some more tests. And hopefully they figure it out this time because it has not been figured out. But, it, you know, I've found it more manageable trying to dip my uh, foot back into teaching guitar, which was my job before, yeah. besides playing. And Moontooth has been practicing more regularly, which just felt really good. And so, yeah, okay. trying to get the good with the bad. We've been keeping up with what we loved is you starting to tab out your guitar work. Yeah. That's an amazing thing to be doing for your fans. Does that also help you just get back into the swing of things a little bit? Totally. It was a, it was a huge help because my guys uh, in Moontooth and our team set up a GoFundMe that did remarkably well. And the only thing I could think to do at the time, yeah, the only thank you I, I, I could think to do was those tabs, but it was also like, I'm going to need to do this. Mm-hmm. The joke has been like, damn, like next record's going to sound like Green Day because this shit. <laughs> <laughs> It's too fucking hard to play, and why did I do this to myself? And <laughs> I appreciate your your sense of humor and taking everything in stride. We've been a big fan of you guys since Crux. I'm like kind of the metalhead of our podcast group. I'm a huge fan of triumphant guitar. Is what I love in music. And when I first heard you guys. I remember it. It was probably because I think what Crux came out in like October of 2019. Uh, I had just moved in. Uh, my lady and I had built a new house. I'd moved in in September. And I remember sitting in my front office listening to that for the first time. Love and song. And then the solo kicked in. A drum and bass little kind of break in the solo. And then you bend, bend this chord and it just goes like wild. And I'm like, oh, this is special. When... Well, when we like saw on social media, your health issues crop up. I, I mean, DL and I, were, we were like glued to social media. We, were, we followed the GoFundMe, like it like knocked it out of the park. And I was like cheering for you. I'm like, yes, he's getting support. This is awesome. So it's awesome to see you and, and hear you. Number one, it's just awesome to have you on here. So I just want to thank you for taking your time to kind of join us and talk with us, number Absolutely. one. But it's great to like hear that you're you're optimistic about things and cracking jokes and stuff. Where do you find that? Where do you find like the inspiration to kind of look forward and, and it sounds like you're going to be back in the hospital and you're like, Oh, we think we're going to get it this time. Like what's, what, what is driving you in this period? Is it getting back on the road and playing music? Is it, you know, home life? Part of it. I yeah. mean, my, my, I have a, a wife that's become my caretaker, you know, and I can't drive. And, uh, we were about to get married right before this, 
It's happened. Moonji, they just done the biggest tour that we'd never done, like, uh, you know, biggest venues anyway, getting ready to get married. And then I had a seizure uh, and ended up in the hospital and just woke up like a month and change later. And now we're, now we're six months out from that. So I, I pushed a, a wedding back a year and just that and getting back to normal, you know, and part of that is definitely getting back on the, the road, like with Moontooth. And I also put with Riot, aka mm-hmm. Riot 5. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, man, like Moontooth, we exist to play live and writing music is, I guess, I guess it's half and half, but like if we couldn't play live, I would lose my mind, you know, and I don't know if anybody wants to, maybe it would be entertaining to see me just have a seizure in the middle of a set, but. Oh my God, no. Hoping we kind of get the hang of whatever the medical cocktail is before, yeah. and then we just don't have to worry about it. That's the end game. But uh, it is a mysterious disease, actually, limbic encephalitis. It's autoimmune disease. They had to go through a lot of different tests of drugs I was on, or what bug bit me, and all this kind of weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that they were testing for before they got down to autoimmune limbic encephalitis, and I just try to. Yeah, I like triumphant as a as a descriptive word. It's for the guitar playing, and I feel like that comes from growing up on a lot of metal and learning guitar from Mike Flynn's from Riot Five. But it also comes from something called major keys, which I think a lot of <laughs> I think a lot of metal bands negate, and they're fun. You know, we're not really living to be metal necessarily. I, me and Ray, especially, and all of us to a certain extent grew up on thrash metal, death metal, all that stuff, anything in between. I still love all that stuff, but it's, you know, trying to kind of like have a little foot in like classic rock kind of area. Yeah. Especially the last record was fun to kind of do that and have a lot of major key songs and have it be kind of triumphant and big and epic and for lack of a better word. Playing with Riot 5 and being a student of Mike over the years, if that kind of power metal bent is that do you feel like that kind of contributes to that side of the moon tooth sound i love bands that are like an n equals one like they don't sound like anyone else moon tooth to me is that for sure like you guys thanks man right i was not a i was i didn't honestly grow up as big power metal person per se but i was more into like thrash and death metal and things like that and just old school rock and roll and blues and stuff i guess and then just branched out from there and then I found a lot of cool power metal from playing in Riot but from learning through Mike and it's just following certain chord progressions and then doing the arpeggio work and all that kind of fun stuff all that Mm -hmm. power metal has such great guitar work everywhere it's very melodic and very harmonic you know it's just it's a great harmony great melody it follows a lot of those patterns and those are great to write songs to I talk to my students about it all the time like we put these two Types being one to the minor six, it's gonna kind of feel like this band, or yeah, one, four, five, it's gonna feel like this type of music, you know. It's I get most of that from Mike, some yeah. of that from little. Uh, I had a great music theory teacher in high school as well in 10th grade, but everything else is from Mike, and then I got to college and fucking hated it. So, <laughs> really, there's Mike and then one other person. You're talking about your signature style we were actually recorded an episode previous where we talk about it and ray and you were the ones that knew each other first that started the band is that right yeah um i met ray in like first day basically of seventh grade or first week or something like that and it was kind of just like that 
terrifying. Like you went from elementary school to now you're in this middle school with like a couple thousand kids, you know, from all over Long Island. And then there's one other person with a heavy metal t-shirt on. (laughs) (laughs) I had long hair. So, you know, I kind of like knew we would be friends and I was shy. So, but he asked me, we laugh about it now. It's like, Hey man, dude, what other bands do you like besides Metallica? Because like all I have <laughs> is like Metallica shirts like that. And then we were Spanish together and he, yeah, he didn't succeed. <laughs> yeah, we became friends. And then our friend Anthony Lopardo, who owns Westfall Recording Company, lots of other people, but Westfall is the studio that Ray owns with Anthony now, some 20 years later. We've known him since that day, basically. And Tom Moran, who is a uh, really brilliant songwriter, folk, you know, guitar player, songwriter. Me, him, and Ray were in a band called Exemption, who put out like three records that you can find on Spotify, all the bullshit. And um, that last record, uh, Exemption, you know, you could tell that by that band name, you know, we were like 15 when we started it. (laughs) That last record is called Public Cemetery Party. (laughs) That's awesome. <laughs> you can definitely hear where, where Moontooth was coming. And then Tom wanted to do different type of music. So Ray and I were already friends with John and Vin. It happened pretty quickly. You know, it's only been the four of us. Ten with years. <laughs> the influences that it seems like you all have is one of the things that makes you such a unique band. We were talking about it in the last episode. We hear particularly in some of the guitar riffs and the the swing and the way John sings, you can hear 50s doo-wop. You can hear Otis Redding. We all love that stuff, but John John certainly brings a lot of that to the table. Blues and, and R&B and, and jazz and just anything from that world. You know, he tries to find a way to sneak that into what Ray and I do with the heaviness, you know, and it took a little while to, I guess, you know, like with any band, like I think an advice for any band would be just, you just got to stick it out and you just got to be honest with each other and deal with each other's bullshit until, cause it's going (laughs) to take a while till you like figure out how it all fits together in the best way. Maybe we haven't even really done that yet. Or maybe we, you know, we have with this record or with Crux or whatever. The first EP were just sort of songs that I had ready to go. Our whole thing has always been like, just, just go, go, go. Just start, just keep going, keep going. Just don't look back. That EP came out pretty much as soon as we started. So those are all my songs that John sang. And then when you hear Chrome and Paragon, that's when you hear John really starting to like write for Moontooth. He wrote the majority of those songs. So you're really starting to hear like him, you know, start to do his thing there. And then with Crux and Phototroph, it became more and more like you do your thing. Yeah. Say, so especially on Phototroph, it was kind of like, you're really good at this. Why don't you, <laughs> why don't you just do it? I like focusing on guitar, you know. <laughs> you guys are all very good at what you do. I know that Ray, he also plays guitar and contributes to the songwriting. Did John play drums? I think I saw that somewhere before he joined you guys. For Moontooth, we were in uh, Rice Cultivation Society. Also, you can find those records on streaming services. Though the last one you should look for on Bandcamp. Mystical Shitheads, this is what it's called. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. It's really, really good. So Rice Cultivation (laughs) Society, Mystical Shitheads. But yeah, that's actually with a different drummer. But yeah, John was playing, most of the time I was in Rice Cult, John was playing drums. 
and we lived in a, a crazy house called Centerville, which I can't probably speak too much about, but <laughs> I understand legendary shows and parties, but that's kind of where I met all of those people. Yeah. Long Island has at least like through our friends and just kind of like the people that come out to shows, like I have to say, like it's been a very uh, fruitful place for just weird, crazy music and people who want to have crazy parties and shows and mm-hmm. want to want to dig into live music and john was playing drums and john's very self-taught ray learned drums a bit like lessons but like guitar wise he just you know he just like will just move the strings around and come up with a riff you know so he just has an amazing ear you know yeah. so i'm a good producer he didn't go through like circle of fifths and all that bullshit so when did he pick up engineering and all the credits for your albums he's He's all over it as far as the engineering. Probably we were like 14, 15. He got like the little eight track and then a 16 track digital recorder. We were always just doing stuff at his house. Uh, all the exemption records were at his house and there were maybe some of the stuff was at the studio. Anyway, yeah, 14, 15. And he's like never looked back and has made it his life how he lives. And Westfall Recording Company is him and Anthony Lopardo's Blood's Work. We kind of just like got out of high school and most of us were kind of like tried college and it didn't go far and kind of found our other ways to do it. Cause it's like when you're, when you're doing music anyway, you're going to have to fit in, in some way. Right. right. Yeah. If you want to teach in the school, then yeah, that's cool. Or if you, I don't know, not gonna, well, it's not going to necessarily be some by the books way that you pay your way through college and then sure. you get a nice job. It might be that you just meet cool people or you just learn on your own. You find a way to turn that into a means of income, I guess. Has Mike Flynn's been a fairly integral mentor for you through that lifestyle? Because he joined Riot, like right out of college. Like he was pretty young when he joined Riot. And then you started taking lessons from him at a really young age with like eight. Yeah, I was like, and when I started with Mike and yeah, to answer your previous question, um, you know, especially because, well, he did, he did college and yeah. You know, he did it the right way, but he also like he had his own school, like a brick and mortar school, which is Guitar Masters on Long Island, which is still open now. But he'd always have a million other jobs playing the cover bands, playing Riot. But Riot is is like the band, obviously. He he's been in that band since 1989, 1990 to now. Mm-hmm. You know, through good and bad and ups and downs and you know. I don't think there's ever been a time where he left ever. Wow. So his commitment to that is is very inspiring. One thing he's done that I haven't done as much is like he's played in like a cover bands and tribute bands and done that thing also to make money on top of owning a school on top of you know, whatever other job. I've done the other jobs like coffee shops and sh- shit like that, but <laughs> he definitely works a lot. But this is unfortunately an expensive place to live right <laughs> and, uh, yeah teaching guitar is not often uh the only thing you can do to drive. i'm very very interested in the moon tooth writing process because of evil is talking about the song trust and how it starts about as metal as you can be but then the breakdown is this it's almost a jazz breakdown you rip the solo and then it goes into hi-hat snare work and is that you writing a riff and then it paints after that what's the process yeah it's like they'll start with most of the time i'll have some riffs or ray will have some riffs and then someone like i did a demo today just the basic here's here's a bunch of parts i think they're cool do you think they're cool <laughs> no okay <laughs> if you do think they're cool then like let's start 
someone's got to either write a drum part to it or a vocal to it. That's been John's world for a long time now. It's almost like whatever takes the wheel because it's good mm-hmm. is what continues. Mm-hmm. But something like a trust, like for me personally, like to write that funk part, I find that like, I like the challenge of what if there was a funk part in an otherwise drop a yeah. metal song? What if it has a big major key chorus or something like that? I'd like kind of challenge myself to do things that aren't metal, but work out. That's part of the fun of it. Where the inspiration comes from is is never the same, you know? As we learned over time, it's like leave space for a verse mm-hmm. and a chorus. Leave space for a wild bridge or a wild guitar solo. Choose to kind of make those spaces exist as you're writing. Rather than figure it out later, figure it out as you're writing it. That makes yeah. sense. That's changed over time. As far as Phototroph, we both love the album, by the way. It's incredible. (laughs) Speaking to that, it's so refreshing, particularly starting out the album with I Revere. It's metal, but there's such a positive energy when it kicks in. That beautiful riff and John is singing pretty eloquently. There are some minor keys and everything, but one of the things that makes you guys so unique is how refreshingly positive it seems like you are as a metal band yeah yeah it's just gonna come from like again major key you know and uh, <laughs> what chords you choose and you the more you kind of study that little bit of theory you don't you know you don't have to name that that's a, a c major you know in the beginning of the the song but it's like if you know it's like the one of the key and it goes up to the minor three and how that kind of works together if you know just enough theory to kind of like know how chords are going to fit together you can write a chord progression and then decorate it as much as you want to so that's why that song goes from the major key and then the verse is the relative minor Mm-hmm. So that's, I guess, an example of a song that I've actually kind of really let the theory part in and then expected John, like, okay, like your intro and your chorus are happy major key, but your bridge is minor as it can be. And yeah. it's like, you know, how are you going to like tell a story with that? I'm telling a story with this chord progression. And what is that story to you lyrically? I'd like to get back to being able to do that, but John is very good at it. And when I get through this medical bullshit i'm sure i'll have some some stuff to say (laughs) (laughs) oh for sure for phototroph i just really liked letting john do his thing and say what he wanted to say and he just had a lot to say and he was going through a lot in his life and then you want to work with people that like you trust to do their thing you don't want to have to tell Mm -hmm. them what to do you just trust them to do what they live for essentially it sounds like you've written lyrics in previous albums did you write lyrics in crux at all if you hear me screaming it then i probably wrote it (laughs) yeah the stuff that that i'm screaming the title track and like thumb spike and a couple lines here and there that's pretty much what it became from chroma paragon on as far as being the only guitarist in moontooth which is a fairly rare thing to be a, a single guitar player in a heavy band are there any times where you wish you had a rhythm guitarist or is it just completely freeing the guitar is my thing i get to do what i want as we've been getting back to rehearsing it's just, it felt like well this would be easy i get why people always have another guitar player or they're running yeah. tracks which we would never want to do and it's because of all the tap dancing and the pedals. Like I have too much mm. equipment. That's way too many pedals, and I got two amps and an attenuator and all this shit that I got to tap dance <laughs> make this shit happen and work live. And I got really good at it on that last tour. Well, tapping my own, whatever that expression is. <laughs> <laughs> 
um, feel like I got really good at like tap dancing through the set. But to be fair, it was a half hour set. If I want to come back and try to do mm-hmm. an hour and, and remember not only these songs after my brain has gotten its ass kicked, it's like now I got to remember all this tap dancing. That's the only time that I've I've felt like eh, it might be cool to have another guitar player. <laughs> when Ray writes something really cool or we have a harmony part or an overdub, but we're all pretty comfortable with there's the live version and the recorded version. And if they're different, then it's just what it is. And if you don't like it, then kick rocks. <laughs> <laughs> love that. You kind of mentioned growing up on metal and being a, a fan of that early on. Who are your guitar heroes? And second question to that, who are you listening to today that inspires you? My memory is deeply banged up the encephalitis things, but I'm going to try to answer this anyway. The first things that come to mind, honestly, like my first like heroes were, were like definitely Metallica and like Hetfield. Honestly, is still to this day, as far as a writer and as far as like, obviously the right hand and just rhythm, yeah. you know, that's a huge one for me. Early on as a kid, I remember being into like Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Those guys are okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Angus Young. Who are you listening to right now? Like, wh- where are you finding inspiration right now? Okay, so again, like, and I don't, you, you guys could put all this stuff in here because it'll make more sense, I understand. But because of the fact that, like, my memory is pretty fucked up for the last couple of years, you know, I can't remember a lot from the last couple of years, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Like, it's in there. I get it, but it's mm-hmm. not immediately available to me. The one good thing about that is that I get to like hear things again for the first time. Oh, that's awesome. Well, it's, it's not, it's not, but it's it's cool. Like uh, Radiohead, uh, in Rainbow's record. I remember that came out the year I graduated high school. And so that was like really cool to listen to again. Ask King, Neil Young, then Lizzie. Nice. I love uh, Inter Arma. They're, I think they're a really underrated metal band. Non So Vile by Cryptopsy and Prowler in the Yard by Pig Destroyer. <laughs> uh, the, the Damned, I've been really having fun revisiting. Oh, nice. Are you listening to yourself a lot? Unfortunately, I have to kind of either run the set or play it almost every day or try to every day. I'm also writing a lot of music, so Good. I'm happy about that. There's a lot of songs and they're all pains in the ass to play. So I got to keep them <laughs> here and I can't, not back here. Yeah. Over time, I think that that's going to go, it seems to be going away. It's just a matter, matter of uh, controlling it. You mentioned that you guys are back to practicing, rehearsing. Is it just nice to just be back, to just be with the guys playing fucking music? Totally. I mean, I think the last thing we want to do is play the songs. It's, it's, it's funny because it's just like, you just want to play new shit or mm-hmm. kind of just like joke around and laugh and just enjoy each other's company. And when it's not like some kind of shitty, stressful situation, I mean, I guess yeah. every group of friends goes through that. But the first one that I had when I got home, my, my wife asked me if I was drunk. I'm not supposed to drink right now. And I was like, no, I'm just happy because I got to like <laughs> guitar really loud with my friends. <laughs> I haven't done that in like six, seven months, you know. I just kind of woke up in the hospital and was like, what the fuck's going on, you know. Everything since then has been, I couldn't play. The fact that I'm running the set, it just feels really good, you know. Is it taking time for your bandmates to recover? That had to kick their ass too. Uh, yeah, it was, I mean, my family and my friends, it was still very scary because uh, it's still not uh, done, unfortunately. I still mm-hmm. have 
seizure events almost every day. Wow, almost every day, really? Sometimes they're worse than others, but yeah, I just, I have um, something that can uh, kind of stop them. But if, yeah, I can't really get back to like normal life just yet. Wow. That's hard. I'm sorry. That's. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, it, it could be worse. Hopefully next week we'll have some real answers that actually change things. I think it speaks a lot to the type of band that you all are. The fact that, you know, we knew immediately what was going on. We saw the social media accounts of your band members and we saw the amazing response by your fans that speaks a lot to how great of a band you are is how many people immediately wanted to make sure that you got back to what you were doing. I still can't believe it. It really just, there are no words. Honestly, that's the one time I've ever said that and really truly no, there are no words to like put into how I feel about that. You know, it was, especially at the time, that's why we, we want to get, just get back to making music and making people happy. That's all we do is you yeah. know, get out to as many people, make as much music and just make it make people happy. That doesn't mean the songs are happy, but, you know, it just it means something to people. But yeah, it, I, I couldn't believe it. It's just life has been surreal, not always in a good way, but life has been super surreal in the last six months. I've actually been able to pull music out of dreams, which has been really trippy. I've wow. never before. That's probably because of all the fucking meds, but I think that the next record will be different. <laughs> <laughs> there was quite a bit of growth from Crux to Phototroph as a band. As a band, do you notice that? Or is it just since you're playing together every day, it just kind of evolves? I don't think it's such a, like, a conscious effort most of the time or any of the time, really. It's, it's just kind of like you just go with the flow and try to get out to more people, you know, and sometimes that means working with a, a label or management or a producer, but you work with people you trust and you have a conversation, you know, but at the end of the day, it's what the four of us like and what the four of us want to do. Like we would never put something on a record to make somebody else happy. It's gotta be from the four of us, but yeah, we're not, we're aware of the fact that like Phototroph is a little more songwriting than um, <laughs> Paragon. And I'm relearning stuff from Chrome Paragon, like, God, there's so many fucking parts on this song. <laughs> and it's fun to do different shit, you know? I like stuff like Torch a lot. That makes Ooh. sense. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Stone Rock stuff, or all of us really, really agree on Queens of the Stone Age. Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah. You know, just like gung, 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 mm -hmm. one, one note riffs that big choruses and stuff like that. Like, it's not like we're doing that for anybody else. We, we love that shit. I mean, you do have songs like not saying that it's simple or anything, but in photo trophy, you have conduit. That's a different style than you had done. And that is a little more in vein of the, the kind that's of, a, the, that's a Ray song. So that, that gives an example of what Ray writes. And that song is not simple. Maybe it's cause I did not write it. <laughs> I didn't mean it's simple. <laughs> I just, <laughs> it, so it's, it's one note at a time, but it's like, you have to do these weird slides and just the rhythms of them it's and every measure the it seems the rhythm changes right so it's just complicated in a different way it's not a million chords but it's just bizarre but yeah i mean we were it's funny you say that because at rehearsal john and i were saying how hard that song is to fucking do <laughs> repetition that's all that's all you need to do what happens when you let drummers write songs <laughs> <laughs> Ray has written some of the hardest songs to play for sure. Yep, yep. He's 
He doesn't have to play them, to be fair. <laughs> His drum parts are usually psychotic, too. So oh, we all, we of all course. Those moments of just like, fuck, why did I write this? God damn it. You know, <laughs> part of the challenge, I guess. That's what's part of the fun. Writing a good song is just as hard, you know? Like, if writing something that's like, are people going to hear this and remember it and want to hear it again? Or is it going to be go like, wow, that was impressive. Not always about that. Speaking to that, is there a song, and it doesn't even have to be Moontooth, but I'm guessing it probably is. Is there a song that you're most proud of writing? That I've written, like the lyrics and everything? Or the lick or whatever. Do you have a favorite riff that you like playing? That changes all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I Revere, it's or Phototroph, the song, are, are probably the two that are such pains in the ass, but I'm probably <laughs> most proud of writing. It was the kind of the whole, I want to do something in a major key that's real picky, that's real metal, but also like real happy and triumphant is the good word to put it. But those those are, I practice probably the most right now. So, And I'd say that uh, Riot snuck in a little bit on Phototroph, like in the solo and stuff. So it kind of is just the, oh, whole kibosh, yeah. the whole kibosh of what I'm trying to do as a guitar yeah. player. Yeah. Besides, you can't say New York. Do you have a favorite city that you like to play in? Atlanta. I feel like Atlanta is always like, whether there's five people there or a thousand, people just want to have fun. Just met some really cool people there that, you know, always come out and they're always just fun to hang. I just always have a good time there. One of the last things I want to ask you about, and then we'll let you go. And once again, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. You, you guys, guys have been, been around, around for 10 years, well, like, 10 years, about 10 years, we have 10 years ish. Me and Ray, like 20. You have watched the musical industry turn to this Spotify, have to do your own thing through Bandcamp, being able to tour when you can and really having to self-promote. Like, I know you have a label and everything, but do you see any benefits to it? The struggles are pretty obvious, particularly in the Spotify days, but are there benefits as a band that is getting bigger? I mean, I think it's safe to say this and I'm trying not to anymore. You know, we've joked about it, the four of us, that I was been band dad for most of the last 10 years as far as all the the boring shit. Part of that has always been like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, but then now we have so many other things. Bandcamp in and of itself, I always loved because you could sell merch and sell your, your music. And I just like it as a the way it works. The new thing of like, you need to have content every day on Instagram, Twitter, mm. and TikTok, and, or yeah. people are going to forget you. That is a weird and ugly thing. And we talk about it all the time. And it's really just feeding a machine. If you enjoy it, if you have fun doing it, making guitar videos and shit, that's just your thing, then cool. But like the idea that you have to do it is definitely something that we get kind of just like a little boomery about a little like, you know, like <laughs> don't fucking do this shit. I agree with you. If that's your thing, go for it. But one of the things I don't like about TikTok and the reels and stuff is it's so ephemeral. It's like there and then gone. An album is like evergreen. You can always go back to it. It's always there. And that's mm-hmm. that. That's one of the things I really appreciate about you guys as a band because your music, it reminds me of so many things, but yet doesn't sound like anything. That's a like a recurring theme I keep thinking of when I come back and listen to your music over and over, I always think that there's going to be a market for that. Like having you, we don't have like a giant audience, but I want to make sure as many people as possible are aware that you guys exist because yeah, you're competing with this what's next generation, like what's new, what's the, the constant grind of content out there. 
at some point, real music fans will always go back to that evergreen content. And that's just good albums. And you guys have got multiples of those and I'm looking forward to more. Thank you. And I think that uh, you guys doing something like this where you, you know, you take the time to put names out there that might not otherwise be heard, different bands more underground bands that's really cool and that's why i like to that's why i like to do things like this it's fun and, and and i think it's it's just important to uh some of the people that do the content shit you know i see and go, oh that's pretty cool you know like that's you find an interesting way to bring up new artists or new bands or whatever you know and some of it's just goofy and boring and just repetitive <laughs> and um, the scary thing is like okay albums will start to be become not as important and then therefore tours will become that not mm. as important but for people like us it's like it, it will always be so you just yes. have to you know teach your children well yeah <laughs> and just hope it goes that way you know this could all be over tomorrow so just enjoy it while, while it's here that's what it feels like right now it feels like, <laughs> it all, feels like it's, it's pretty fucked up so just just enjoy whatever you got right now Records and going to concerts when you can then Believe me, that's what I want to do. I've gotten kicked again to being able to just just do what you love. Teach anybody that you know about shit that's you know that you love. That's cool. I think that's a perfect message. I know I tonight will be having a cocktail, taking photo trophy up to my vinyl player, and my daughter and I will be listening to it. So. Uh, uh, we honestly do think that what you guys as a band are doing is incredible. Mm-hmm. Phototroph and Crux, all three of your albums, even the acoustic session, you guys are doing incredible work. You really are. We are so humbled that you joined us. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate that, that comment about the acoustic thing. because. We've worked our asses off on that. So, yeah, thank you guys for having me on and appreciate you. Absolutely, Nick. Thank you very much. I hope you have a good night. Yeah, thanks so much. Great talking with you. Peace, guys. Hey, thanks. If you saw the ghosts I see when I sleep, you lead to hear you claw your way out. You grow things, you bite, you creep, you tear, you ignore into love. So I made fun of Rachel for like the second that Less Than Jake left breaking down. That was, um, holy shit. That was a lot to take in. Yeah. Wow. That was. All right. So number one, not lying when I said he's one of my favorite guitar players. I think we've established how much you and I love yeah. that dude yeah. uh but he also seems like such a cool dude yes uh, just very genuine loves what he does like i said we don't have a huge following but the more people that can be exposed to that band the better because they're so good and that's I, yeah i want them to be successful selfishly because i want them to record a whole bunch of more albums <laughs> I want them to have a, a, a long, fruitful career so that I can experience whatever they're going to grow into next. One of the things that I said towards the beginning of the episode is, I, th- I think I was talking about the YouTube. We're in that stage as a podcast where it's sporadic. We have episodes where we have a thousand listeners. We have episodes where we have 12, 15,000 listeners. It doesn't, we have episodes where we have like 30,000 listeners. There's no rhyme or reason, but I don't give a fuck if it's 30 listeners. The bottom line is, is we have worked hard as a podcast to get where we are in season three. And we just talked to one of the best guitar players that we could possibly ever talk to. Yeah. 
Yeah. We could hang it up tomorrow and I'd be cool with it because of that. Mm-hmm. And just to be able to let him speak a bit to very obvious, you and I have just talk about the music in the last episode mm-hmm. when you sit down and talk to him you realize the real struggle that he's gone through right it feels like longer than six months to me yeah i i was like prepping for this and i watched a couple of interviews that were like nine months ago and i'm like oh that was he must have recovered quite a bit because he seems like he was like super sharp and stuff and mm-hmm. and like no that was before this happened before yeah oh man <sighs> i think the message to get from this is anybody that's listening to this podcast loves music and this guy this band fucking deserves support Mm -hmm. you said something that i love in the last episode that yeah this is the second time we've talked about crux yeah we are going to talk about phototroph again yeah this is our third moon tooth episode you know what? These are the bands that we need to be champion for. Yep. These are the bands that if we do have an actual reach, these are the type of bands that we need to use whatever power you have to get out there mm-hmm. for multiple reasons. That interview maybe kind of kicked my ass a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just a touch. I had all kinds of questions I want to ask him, but we the story, we had to like let that unfold the way it did. Yeah. And which that's interviews. I want to talk to him again. I want to like yeah. multiple times, but uh, <laughs> I, w- I really want to revisit him after his recovery. And like I said, I'm really interested in what he's going to write. Yeah. What is going to come out of this? Like I would never have wished this experience on anybody, especially someone who I admire and respect and who's And the timing too, because like right out of COVID, when you're already right. as a band, you were yeah. fucked for like two years. Right. It's brutal time he fucking you could tell that he was interested in the questions that we had you could tell that he actually right he gives a shit about the people that like his music yep i don't know i'd imagine that since they're all so close it's probably the the whole band's probably like that i think so too he and ray have been playing together since they were like early teenagers like almost preteens, like 13 ish i think mm-hmm. i watched an interview with him where he's talking about how at the base of of everything is friendship and like vin their their bass player he's just a solid reliable friend and a fucking tremendous bass player yeah, on top yes. of that. But he specifically was speaking to the friendship aspect of it and there's the trust within the band and stuff. So I think you're right. I think they're all probably just super cool dudes. Blue collar work ethic. They're all incredibly accomplished at what they do. They just like have kind of gelled over the years of mm-hmm. friends. They've been played in different bands together and sort of came together as Moon Tooth. And you can see some of their live performances from like nine years ago. And you can tell that they're just, they're pretty young. They did it the old school way too. They did it, became a band. They started playing together. They fucking, you know, a hundred gigs a year. It's a fucking dying breed. There's something that I remember. So he, he's been playing with Ray forever. Mm -hmm. Like they've known each other forever. I think it was specifically referring to, to Vincent, their bass player. When he came in, it was like from Nick's point of view, we have to get out and just play a whole bunch. Because the only way we can build the same chemistry that I have with Ray is to play with you as much as we can to get to that point. They're such a live band. Yeah. I really liked what he had to say about the social media TikTok generation. And it's all about like what's next, like content, content, content. But there's something to be said about a band that has chemistry that can only have been developed over years and years and years of gigging together. Yes. And that is fucking undeniable. Mm-hmm. 
there was always going to be a place for that. And there are always going to be people who crave that, even if they don't know that they do. There's going to be like an intrinsic value in that. If all they have experienced as a fan is swipe up, swipe up, swipe up, scroll, 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 scroll. And then they find something like crux. It's going to like trigger something in their brain where they're like, oh, this is, this is different. This is, it's always going to be good. Regardless of what the the trends weave in and out of, that's always going to be good. Which that's what the fucking band has done. They aren't, they've, I don't want to say they've spat in the face, but as far as metal, they, you know, they brought John on knowing that, no, he's not just going to scream through the fucking song. He's going to, mm-hmm. he's going to bring soul to it. And, you know, they are going to have their little funk breakdowns and their jazz stuff in there. And I'm not at all comparing it to, I'm not at all comparing this to us at all. I wanted that to be clear, but (laughs) I honestly feel like I go through the same shit at times with us, with you and Rachel and Sven with the podcast in trying to figure out there are certain things that if we do, we will be popular and we will make money very soon, but then we would not be, we would have no soul. I feel like, that is kind of mm-hmm. in the regard you were talking about and just their music in general. Yeah, if they did certain things, maybe they would be more popular, but they wouldn't be fucking Moontooth. I think at the end of the day, authenticity will always win. I I don't because I'm a pessimist, <laughs> but I want to believe you so badly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it will if we fucking, to your point, if we champion it, it gives it a better fighting chance. If you build it. Yeah. They will come. Yeah. Or they won't. Or They'll they just won't. go to the, the other fucking guys that are talking <laughs> about Drake. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Oh um, man, that was that was fucking awesome. What a cool dude, man. You can tell by the reaction towards the like Evil and I are speechless. We didn't even know what to fucking say. That was amazing. That was surreal. Another moment that the podcast has created that I'm extremely grateful for and mm-hmm. extremely grateful to the people that listen that make this still Nick Lee Moontooth, they're amazing. Go to moontoothny.bandcamp. You can buy their vinyls there. Phototroph is on vinyl. Crux is on vinyl. The uh, Violent Sessions, their acoustic, which is fucking incredible, is on vinyl. You can Really, really good. You, you can download them digitally if you want. Uh, you can also go to purenoise.net and just search artists. That's their label. You can get all those vinyls there as well. Go to Instagram and go to at Nick Lee Sees, just like it sounds, L-E-E-S-E-E-S, and go to Moontooth Shreds. I love that it's not Moontooth. It's Moontooth Shreds. <laughs> well, they do. It's, it's true. <laughs> they absolutely do. Yeah, uh, John and Vin and Ray and Nick are the shit. We've established that over the last two episodes. Uh, Evil, anything else you want to say before we log off? I just look forward to talking with Nick again. I'm putting that out into the universe. Uh, I got to ask him about Vigier guitars. I got to ask him about all the fucking horror movie stuff he's got hanging behind him when he's giving online guitar lessons. Yes. I have so... In five years when they're playing for fucking 25,000 people a show... Hopefully he'll still talk yeah. to us. <laughs> yes, hopefully. Versecourseverse.com at Versecourseverse pod. 
another weird, insane, amazing, beautiful fucking night. Right. Uh, we love you all. Good night and good luck. Let me go, let me go, let me go.